0: at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best selling books. Tell me more how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining me again on another episode of Shock Your Potential, and I can't wait for my guest today, not only because I know he's fabulous and you're going to enjoy him, but because I've known him for quite a while and we've gotten into some trouble together. So that always makes for some really good stories. Some of them we may tell and others not. So my friend James Daniels, now you know how I like to read little pieces from the bios. There's a couple things here that I'm going to highlight. First of all, he's president and CEO of his company called The Meeting Designers, and they're an internationally recognized events management company. So for those of you who know that I'm a speaker most of the time, you know you know that my business got hit when uh, COVID hit and you know nobody's putting me on stage. Poor James had a ton of programs in motion, and that all went to pot. We'll be talking about that but he was previously a national account sales position or in those positions with some of my favorite hotels like Hilton and Wyndham, obviously fantastic. So he knows a thing or two about working on a global scale and his customers, they are everything from corporations to associations to nonprofits, social group. Now this is what I love. Here we go. Some legacy clients. So the ones who have had him around for a long time have nicknamed him the Olivia Pope of the meeting industry. So I don't know if that's because he knows how to get things done or he's covered up crimes. Well, other than that, they rely on him to be the fixer. <laughs> he's laughing, so he means I. he's not telling. But uh, he is also a resident of both Houston and New Orleans. And uh, just a um, little side note is one day I told him that when I'm in New Orleans, I like to go to Acme for oysters. And he told me that he might have to uh, dissolve our friendship over that. But other than that, James, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Michael, it is such an honor and pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I've, you know, ever since we've met, I've been listening to your podcast and just enjoying the array of people that you have on it and just the fabulous relationships and just the insight into so many industries you provide. So thanks for having me.
0: Oh, thank you. It is really fun. I feel like, you know, somebody said, well, who's your ideal uh, podcast guest? I'm like somebody with a personality.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, that would be mine. Would be Shonda Rhimes.
0: Oh yes, I would love Shonda. to have her. Can you imagine picking her brain for a little bit? Wow, uh,
1: amazing. That's why when at first when people started referring to me as the Olivia Pope of the events industry, I honestly did not know who Olivia Pope was. So <laughs> I pulled out my phone and of course when they walked away, it was Googling Olivia Pope, and I'm like. Oh wow, this person really looks like Carrie Washington, and I wish I were as beautiful as this woman. And <laughs> hmm, interesting, then I realized it was a fictitious character, um, learned a little bit more about it, of course started watching Scandal. Oh, yeah. And then when the second client, completely different client, completely different time period kind of said, you know, you're kind of like an Olivia Pope, you just fix all of our problems without us even knowing it. You know hmm. what a huge compliment. I was just honored, and one of my friends was like, "You're not upset that you were compared to a, a woman," and I was like, "Are you kidding me? No. I mean, bring <laughs> it on, bring it on." So very. Absolutely.
0: Honored. And what? Yeah. And really, what an honor because you and I both know that not only can things go wrong in the background of a meeting, uh, they will go wrong. They there, do go there's wrong. no. There's not one meeting that has ever gone out with you know at least 10,000 hitches. So to be able to do that, make it happen and make people feel comfortable because they don't even see it happening, that is an incredible compliment. I'm not surprised at all, but it, it really tells something about your nature and your work ethic.
1: You know, it's really funny when people say that they have perfect events and perfect meetings. I'm like, wow, you have discovered that <laughs> rare unicorn that does not exist because there is definitely not a meeting out there. has. Yes.
0: <laughs> There's my unicorn. I,
1: I, love it, it, was, I love it. I love it. I love it. I bring with that with me to several events. <laughs>
0: even closer is, and I just put it over here. And, and now is the uh, card you sent me, my little unicorn card.
1: <laughs> oh, that wasn't in the trash can?
0: <laughs> no, I have it in. I have a little bucket over there where I keep things like that, and I just put it so that I can hold on to them. <laughs>
1: Very cool. So, so we start to bring the perfect unicorns into meetings, but every single meeting there are issues. The beautiful part is when the clients don't see the issue or mm-hmm. you know the attendees think it's perfect, and you can just say, We, you know, we kept it from them, but there's not a single event out there that doesn't have hitches, problems. You know, many times we can foresee these problems and prevent them from happening, but a lot of times they happen right in front of your eyes, and it's like, mm-hmm. here we go, let's roll up the sleeves and the Olivia Pope,
0: <laughs> bring it on. Well, so we give people a little bit an overview of what you do, but you know, and, and your bio gives you some little details. But I really think I le- I love to leave it up to people. Like, so tell us a little bit more about you, your business, and then of course my you know trade question, which is how do you help your clients to shock their potential in these meetings?
1: Oh, thanks for asking. So. I started off on the hotel side. I was actually a hotel salesperson. So, when I would tell people I was a hotel salesperson, they automatically just assume, oh, you're putting the for sale sign outside of the hotel and you're selling the building. And, you know, explaining to them that we're really selling the meeting space, the sleeping rooms to clients, corporations, conventions, associations. And did that for several, several years and was a part of corporate America, kind of had my calling that corporate America was no longer for me, my ambitions in life were changing. So I just decided to truly jump the fence and I became a corporate event planner and started my own company in 2005. And we operate about 20, I mean, I'm sorry, 200 events around the world Mm -hmm. each year. Um, Everything ranging from small board meetings of eight people to citywide conventions of 7,000 people and Mm -hmm. everything in between. And what's really funny is when you tell people what I do for a living, they automatically just assume you're a party planner and (laughs) you're getting bouncy houses or clowns and you know, when they come in, I'm a party planner too. I handle my kids' birthdays, or you should hire my daughter because she's just planning the formal for her sorority in college. So you get it's kind of like you being a writer, that everybody is a writer, or you know, when someone says they're a model, they're like, I'm a model too. I have an Instagram page and and a filter. So we kind of have to go through that as well. <laughs> um, but it's we do the meetings that I say are the ones that you're not jumping up and down to attend. We're doing a lot of mm-hmm. corporate trainings. We're doing a lot of annual sales meetings where, you know, the fun ones are usually the incentives where people mm-hmm. qualify to attend. So we're, you know, planning their entire agenda as a recognition trip. And also the, the one-time events, the, you know, the weddings, the bar mitzvahs, those are typically events where people don't stay overnight. We don't do those events. We're doing the events where you're staying in a hotel or a venue for multiple, multiple days, which kind of brings in a different challenge because you have to really keep everybody engaged that entire period. And a lot of clients have a theme you have to continue throughout the program. So we have an opportunity to really be creative and just bring a lot of different things to the table. And I feel like that's where we're able to shock our clients because so many are just, you know, caught in the routine or caught in the, you know, the same old, same old, the same food, the same venue, the same budgets, the same talent, mm-hmm. the same speakers, which are typically people that have volunteered within their company. So, mm. you know, because free. So we're able to really come in <laughs> and kind of just Toss up, you know, overturn the apple cart and make them explore so many different areas. And we pride ourselves in working with any budget to really just make it a memorable experience, not only for the organizing staff and take so many administrative things off their plate, but also for the attendees to make it a wow experience for the attendees. Yeah. And Michael, here's the beautiful thing sit down for this. We're free. I'm ready. It does <laughs> not cost a client a single penny to use us for the majority of our services, because we're kind of like a travel agency, but for meetings. That's, that's an easiest way for me to explain it. So whichever venue that you end up selecting that we've researched, and we can research them all, um, that chosen venue at the end of your program is com- compensates us with a, with a commission.
0: Hmm. Yes. And that's uh, and I think it's really important. That's a really great analogy between a travel agent and what you do is that you're making the experience happen. And when you've done your job right and you get them connected with all the right places, they're happy, you're compensated, and you have a wow experience. And that that should be the end result all the way around.
1: And what differs us from a travel agency per se, so many systems are now just automated or computerized and you really can't automate the events industry some chains are trying to do so trust me they are they're not being too successful with it especially now with the pandemic um but you know what a wonderful opportunity to have a live person an extension Mm -hmm. of your staff by your side 24 seven, especially during the operational hours of your program, who is a live person who can be an Olivia Pope and just yeah. problem solve and just make things happen. We we try to be Disneyland. We try to make the magic happen behind the curtain so that mm-hmm. your attendees on the other side of the curtain experience the magic.
0: Well, and I know as you're talking, I'm thinking about how you know, people are like, well, when do you think, you know, live and in-person meetings are going to be back? Well, it's, it really, I don't think there's any magic wand. It has to do with people's comfort levels and the value that they get. And if there's one thing that I know that we are actually learning. So number one, we've learned that people can work remotely. Number two, we're learning people are craving in person. They might yes. still be afraid. They might still have fears and concerns until we have, you know, a vaccine readily available that people choose to take. But we do know that people are craving that in-person dynamic. And I was thinking about how, you know, with s- people who if there's somebody listening who hasn't gone to a big conference where you really have some of this specialized attention, let me just tell you a couple of things. Like some, you know, some conferences where every night I go in and there's something on my bed. It's like it's it's a gift. It's a and it's part of the theme and it's very exciting. Those things, you know, it makes even you feel
1: now, and acknowledged.
0: Yes. And they're gonna make it, it's gonna be even more impactful. Um, I spoke at the International Spa Association a couple of years ago. Oh my God, talk about being excited to go back in your hotel room every night. I was like, <laughs> I want to stay this whole dang thing, like everyone I'm like more face stuff, yay! You know your
1: skin does look amazing, Michael. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. And I think too, um this is really this is really bad. I still feel guilty about this. I don't know why I feel guilty about this. I didn't put this together, but long ago I worked in pharmaceuticals and I worked for a company where we launched a sleep medication. I won't tell you which one because I don't want to tell you who spent all this money, but you want to talk about an a launch meeting with five, five to six thousand people um, that was phenomenal. Like, every part of that meeting was so engaged every meeting room even when you're broken out by your districts had the theme going through and the and every night we had something and one night i had a set of sheets in you know that they'd already asked me what size my bed was you know i had these king size sheets that to this day were i'm like i don't know where they came from but i wish i had them i mean talk about the kind of gifts you had but i'll tell you that welcome party and I, whoever organized that, they were so brilliant. And everything from the cocktails when you walked in, because it was like walking in at day, and all the lights were up bright, and people were in all these outfits, and they had a cocktails going around that were looked like daylight and things. And then all of a sudden it started to change, and it turned to night, and the people's outfits actually changed color, and the lighting changed, and all the, Now the cocktails are all blue. And I remember thinking, whoever planned this, what? An opportunity to be so creative. When you get to do things like that that are like massively creative, what does that do for you? Like how, besides all the details and all the, you know, things that can go wrong, what's that like from a creative standpoint to to create those experiences that people go, Wow, that was amazing?
1: And that you hit the nail on the head. We are here to create experiences i consider myself a storyteller so i want to tell this client's story from start to finish in many cases the story even starts before the client arrives so we have to get them motivated to attend and whether it's now more than ever with meetings at home or on zoom we have to get them motivated to even attend a zoom meeting so it's sending them maybe Mm -hmm. sending them a pre-registration Gift or motivator or acknowledging their registration. I'm a big fan, as you well know, of handwritten notes. So, mm-hmm. whenever possible, you know, I encourage clients to do handwritten notes or it's just some sort of personable communication to make attendees feel special. And then that continues with the check in. Nobody wants to walk up to a front desk and be greeted with last name. I mean, no one wants to, whether it's the registration desk or a front desk. In fact, I stayed at a hotel for the very first time this past week since March. And the Mm -hmm. first thing that was said to me when I walked up to the front desk was last name, driver's license, credit card. And I was just, my experience just plummeted from that point going, I mean, onward, Mm -hmm. because here I was just looking forward to my first experience in a hotel after so many months. And that's what I was greeted with. So, We really try to make sure that our passion, our client's passion, our client's theme is really conveyed from start to finish, whether it's in the collateral that's distributed, the gifts that they may receive at night, the activities that they are a part of, the, you know, being really creative um, with food and beverage to just, you know, wow them. There are three things, three to four things that an attendee will remember from. Mm -hmm. Conference. One is just was it successful? Were they able to network? Did they accomplish their mission? Then the mm-hmm. second thing is was the bed comfortable? Yeah. The third is the food. And the fourth is how was the bathroom in the guest room? And believe it or not, men are more concerned about the quality of the bathroom in a hotel room than women. Who would have thought? Really? Who would have thought? But the studies show. And so uh, the quality and size of the bathroom is a very important thing, but then just, you know, how the entire event made them feel. So we really Mm -hmm. do try to spice up all of those areas to really make it a magical, memorable event, one that attendees will want to come back to the next year if there's, you know, a a second one and, Mm -hmm. you know, one that they'll just remember.
0: And it's so true. I think about um, like associations. So, you know, I'm part of the National Speakers Association. So, you know, they need us to come. Right. You know, and you need people to come year after year. And so how you create that whole experience is is really important. And um, I've had some opportunities now as a speaker um, to also be a part of what you're talking about, the things that lead up. And not just as a speaker but it really makes you feel very special as a speaker Um, but how good this you know can do to anticipate get people excited about going not have second doubts you know to really say okay i'm in but you know i had once a conference that i spoke in a little it was a year ago may and um and in like a month two months before you know i get in the mail like a it had a i don't know i can't remember what i got first time like candy or something and uh, like the, you know, a month later. So my, actually, I might have been four months before. Like here's some candy, you know, something else. Can't wait to see you in May. You know, in Atlanta. Here's this. I got a pair of socks that were hilarious. And right before I went, I got pajama bottoms. Wow. And it was a multi-day event, and it was. This was all for women. It was all a women's program. And I'll tell you, we were all walking around in the pajama pants, you know, going to. It was just hilarious. And I thought talk about building momentum and talk about the reason that when you think about it to sign up for the next year, whether it's there or you get the request a couple weeks later, you're like, but this was phenomenal. I felt like I was wanted every step of the way. And that's something really neat.
1: Absolutely. And for clients who may not have the budget to send, you know, these extravagant gifts, they think, oh, well, we can't do that and we can't, you know, create motivation and excitement. Actually, you can, even with spending no money, little money, Mm -hmm. create excitement with teasers of what they will experience once they get on site. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a client program that has a big spousal component where the spouses and the guests that are invited by the actual attendees, um, we plan several days of fun for them that we keep it very secretive until right before the arrival just to create some suspense and um yeah. excitement for it and we just drop little hints and teasers in it and there's so many ways to be creative and we just love to you know partner with clients on the creativity it's not one size fit all um mm-hmm. we don't like repeating themes we hate repeating menus we every client is different we would be doing a disservice to our clients if we were cookie cutter like every other mm-hmm. event company out there if we recycled menus if we recycled speakers if we recycled this or that mm-hmm. that's not really customizing an event and making it memorable and it's not telling the specific story at hand so we really yeah. really love partnering with our creative partners and the clients to really bring out that story for this event so we can tell it
0: you know it's funny too i was just thinking about something else so i had a um conference i was supposed to speak at uh this this month actually in fact i think it was supposed to be last week um in australia and, of course, that got moved, and it got moved to February, and now it's going to be moved to this September Again. of 2021. And I think we're good with that one. I think it's going to work. Um, but one of the things is the meeting organizer came to me and said, you know, look, we've already got people who have paid. We don't want them to ask for their money back. You know, so can you help us be creative um, to keep people going? And it was really a great, you know, interactive, you know, dialogue about what to do. And what we decided is we did a Facebook Live. So I'm going to talk about creating a positive and productive workforce um, so that, you know, I'm going to be handling all these case studies about what these people um, in the dental industry face in terms of hiring and retaining great talent and you know, being good leaders themselves. And so I'm like, that's excellent. So we did like an hour long Facebook live where then I took live questions from people and we're gonna do another one and probably two more before we do this. And I'm like, this is brilliant because they're invested, they see, and now they go, oh, and she's gonna be there live? Well, when we can see her live, what else are we gonna talk about? How are we gonna continue it on? And I think there's so many, to your point, there's so many ways for no additional cost really, I just said, I'll, I'll do it because I don't want to have to give back 50% of my retainer that I've already been paid. (laughs) (laughs) But but I, you know, I'll do it to keep people engaged also because I want them to be there. But now I'm thinking, wow, why am I not doing this in other circumstances? Why am I not adding this as a speaker saying, hey, to help you keep people excited, engaged, Mm -hmm. you know, let's, let's think about creative ways to enhance your message and keep to your theme and keep people excited about what it means when we get back together, live and in person.
1: Great job, because you're really emphasizing the relationship. The events Mm -hmm. industry, the hospitality industry founded on relationships. A hundred years from now, it's still going to be about relationships. It's not gonna be about the Zoom call and clicking on a button and automatically booking something. It's going to be about shaking hands, interacting with people, and so much of the success and the vital results of a meeting don't happen in meeting rooms. They don't Mm -hmm. happen in the ballroom during the general session. They happen at the coffee break station. They happen at the reception. They happen at the dessert party for the dinner. They happen at the pool, Mm -hmm. the hot tub. I can't tell you how many clients that I have Found while just sitting in a hot tub trying to relax, and one thing leads to another in regards to conversation. And then people are digging into their beach bag for a soaky, wet business card because Uh of the connection that you've made and the relationships that you're really trying to form. So, Zoom meetings, fantastic band aid, but it's the band aid. Also, as you well know, the longer you keep that band aid on, the harder it is to pull off. And when you do pull it off, it's going to hurt. So there will yeah. be some pain in the transition when we get back to live meetings, but it's going to be worth it. And we're, people are just, people want to meet again and people want yeah. to be around one another. So I think the, it, the floodgates are just going to open and it's just going to be an amazing opportunity for so many industries.
0: I think that is such a perfect analogy. It is a Band-Aid. It has to be ripped off. The longer it sticks on there, it hurts. It's still going to hurt. But once it's off, it, they'll have been healing underneath there too. Yes,
1: ha. absolutely.
0: So now let me ask you. So I like to dive into people's psyches a little and, you know, All see right. what, makes us, what makes us tick. So I love to ask people, you know, what's the most, most important professional lesson that you've learned in your life and how did it help you to shock your potential?
1: The biggest lesson I learned probably was into year five or seven into the meeting designers. And I learned how to say no. I learned how to say no to clients. And I learned how to say no to bad business. Not all revenue is good revenue. Not all business is good business. And, you know, when I was opening the company, if it crawled and had any chance of booking a meeting, I would stab it, cage it, and you're gonna make me, you know, plan the event. Now, you know, f- five years into it, we were able to be a little pickier and find the mm-hmm. clients that truly were better fits. Um, towards the beginning of the start of the company, I found myself doing a lot of feature dumping and having that ele- elevator spill that is rehearsed mm-hmm. and kind of disingenuine at times. I don't have an elevator spill anymore because I find myself interviewing the clients and doing a needs assessment with them to determine if they're a good fit with us. We don't want to be this humongous company that plans 10,000 events a year with 5,000 associates around the world. That's not us. We want to be a boutique, luxury, independent, full service, event management company that can make every client's event, whether it's eight people or 8,000, feel like a million dollars. And we're picky. And when we're picky, we're able to, the rest of the clients just benefit from us being a little picky in who we do business with. But that wasn't a lesson I learned until probably year five or six, that not all revenue is good revenue. Not all Mm -hmm. business is good business
0: and it's it's a really important one to learn and i remember when i was consulting in the medical healthcare field and i was you know working with medical clients all over the us and i would go in to meet with doctors you know when they were saying well maybe we want michael and her company to come in and you know make us more profitable and i'd be meeting them and i'd be asking them all these questions and then they'd be getting defensive like what are you here you know why are you why are you asking these questions and i remember at one point in time i looked at one of the doctors i had about seven i think there were seven in that practice and he's like well you know you're not making it very easy for us to decide if we're going to work with you and i looked at him and i go oh wait i'm sorry <laughs> I think we have this wrong because, I mean, it's great (laughs) if you want to work with me or not, but this is about me deciding whether or not I'm going to work with you guys. And he's like, and I said, look, my reputation's on the line. So I'm only going to take on clients that are going to do what I tell them to do, (laughs) you know, that are really committed to this, because if you're not, you ruin my reputation. And if you are, then great. And if you don't want me after that, that's fine too. But first, mm-hmm. this is whether or not I feel that like you're going to be viable. And they were like, what?
1: <laughs> you have to good your clients. trust. Number one, if our clients don't trust us, why are mm-hmm. you using us? Because we're going to be touching a lot of sensitive information. We're going to be touching, you know, billing, budgets. We're going to be touching just a lot of the confidential information on several mm-hmm. occasions. So there needs to be that trust. And if our clients are second guessing us or Mm -hmm. just not trusting us, it's just, it's not going to be a good fit. Same, you know, the other way around too, if I'm not trusting our clients, if I think that they're doing something that might not be too ethical, or if they're just jerking our chain or just, you know, really not in it to pay the value of the services that they're trying to, you know, retain, then that's not going to be a good fit either. So you're absolutely right. It's an interview process. It's a relationship building process. When I meet with a potential client for the first time, it's never, I will not meet with them in their office. I will not meet with them in my office. We go to a casual setting. Usually I want it to be a park, someplace outdoors with a water component. If that's not available, a a restaurant where we can enjoy a meal because you can get to know a person very well over you know breaking bread together so just yeah. really taking the that kind of sterile business component out of it because we are selling relationships we're selling mm-hmm. that trust and we have to have that trust
0: I agree absolutely So then here's my next now, as we dive closer, farther into your psyche, do, 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 (laughs) do. I like to know what people also have learned that, and it doesn't mean that you would do anything differently, but I love to ask everybody, like if you could go back and talk to the younger James, whatever age that is, and tell him anything that would have shocked his potential farther, faster, or kept him on the exact same path, when would you go back at what age or what time would you go back to James? And what would you tell him?
1: Wow. Can I go back twice? Can I pick two times? Sure. Yeah,
0: of course, you can, Um, anything you want.
1: (laughs) The first, I think I would go back to junior high, high school, James, and tell him there is life outside of Cornbread, Mississippi, that (laughs) dreams do come true, that what you're seeing on television, what you're reading about in books, and what certain educational leaders might tell you aren't possible in your life because of who you are and where you're from, just to disregard that, and that you will see amazing, amazing things if you keep an open mind, you're kind, and you take Mm -hmm. calculated risks, Mm -hmm. So I would tell that, James that yes, you will get out of Cornbread, Mississippi at some point in your life and um, enjoy the new places that you call home. I think I would also go back to when I was in corporate America, starting off in global sales with hotel chains and really taken for granted by executive management. In sales, there's this saying that you're only as good as your last booking. And I would go to work one day as the top salesperson for that chain, literally, and be the best thing since sliced bread in people's eyes. Start of the next quarter, I would be the worst sales manager imaginable and have to endure coaching and counseling and you know, ridiculous things. So it was just, you know, the inconsistency of You're only as good as numbers on paper. And I would tell that, James, to stand up for yourself a little louder and a little taller and realize that you're not revenue on an Excel spreadsheet. You're a person. And I think when I realized that is when I decided it was time for me to leave corporate America and start the meeting designers.
0: Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I I can guarantee you there are people listening to this right now going, you're right. And I'm in that same boat and doesn't mean I have to quit my job or, or start a business, but it does mean that regardless, whatever I do, I, I do have value. I, I have worth and I am going to believe in it in myself first. And then that way I'm going to pull everybody else along, whether they're kicking or screaming, believe in me.
1: <laughs> I was um, I'm going to be dating myself when I tell the story, but in my office, I went up to the fax machine to receive a fax and <laughs>
0: A what? But a facsimile?
1: Funny, funny story. I have, I'm going to tell you a quick story on top of the fax machine story. This is my most embarrassing moment ever in a cor- in an office. Um, I was doing some temp work when I was starting off in the industry and some um, a manager told me to go to the fax machine and collect a fax for her. I went to the fax machine, saw that it was coming in, panicked, picked up the phone because on the fax cover sheet it had the phone number of you know the sender. I called them and said, can you resend your fax? The fax is coming in upside down. And the person said, absolutely. Thanks for letting us know. So I hung up, <laughs> go back to the fax machine <laughs> and sent behind me going, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm waiting for them to refax it because it's coming in upside down. And <laughs> he just looked at me, took the fax and turned it around. Oh my God.
0: Okay. True. I love that story. So much. So, <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you shared that. I'm gonna cry now.
1: <laughs> true story. My most and true true story. So um, uh, back to the original story. I'm at the fax machine, knowing that fax machine faxes can come in different <laughs> ways now. Um, and a list uh, of every person in our office, their salaries was on this fax machine. So of course oh. I read it. Who wouldn't read it?
0: And that's when I realized,
1: I think it was a list of salaries of everybody in my position um, company-wide, like the entire national sales team. And I took it and read it, put it back, and was devastated because I had the lowest salary on there. In fact, my assistant was almost making the same thing I was. So, um, also... Fun fact, I was the top revenue producer of that chain when this facts came yeah. in by millions of dollars. Um, so I strategized with how I would approach my boss and ask for more money without letting her know, I know what you make, I know what my yeah. coworkers are making, and I am obviously undervalued for the revenue I'm delivering. So I got a really good idea to kind of go to a former boss of hers and ask her, hey, when so-and-so would ask for a raise, how would she do it? So I kind of got the same ammunition and game plan, and just made it a little better. And I was successful. I I didn't okay. get as much as I really was qualified for, but I got a substantial increase. Um, so I really, I'm sorry, I just had a pop-up on-
0: <laughs> That's the guy. Computer.
1: Wanting to do a scan,
0: <laughs> You're like oh. not now. <laughs> just don't make it come in backwards. Yeah,
1: there we go. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, all of a sudden, it decided to run a virus scan on my computer. guess. So, um, I, you know, so I just, I, I stood tall and I, you know, yeah. I spoke my piece and laid out the reasons why I felt like I deserved to be treated. Um, And compensated fairly, according to the other, you know, sales directors as well. So that would be my advice as well, to do that sooner, to do it more often and to really, you know, take calculated risks.
0: You know, it's interesting you say that. (laughs) I'm like, pay me more and then I'm done. You know, it's interesting because somebody um, asked me on a podcast that I was being interviewed on, uh, I don't know, a year ago. And um, she was really trying to get me to say, uh, she was really trying to talk about inequity in pay of women versus men. And she wanted me to go back in, in my career. And uh, so she I, she assumed that I would agree with the statement. And, um, and I said, well, I've got to tell you, I, I realize that this exists in some places, but it has never existed for me and Sorry. she was very much taken aback and she's like well what do you mean but women only make x amount on the dollar and i said in in my entire career that has never ever been true and the reason being is that i always negotiated hard and i negotiated well and i negotiated in in uh ways that were respectful and that were in good faith but i negotiated for myself because nobody else was going to ever negotiate for me
1: right.
0: and um and she was like what <laughs> and i said so i'm not telling you that there's not an an inequality in certain areas but um but i i challenge people to say you know what have you done for yourself and i and it's it's a it's a firestorm to say because people you know can respond very you know vehemently to you but yes. i can tell you if you know if i lined up my paychecks you know over the years versus anyone that held my same positions i'm quite confident Um, you know, versus man versus woman, you, you name it. I was paid as well, if not better. And because who's, yeah, no, no one else is going to fight for you as much as you fight for yourself.
1: Fantastic. And I think psychologically, that's why I fight so hard for my clients now with negotiations and cost savings in every single contract, regardless of the size of the meeting, how much revenue is in it. I, I guess I look back on, knowing what it's like not to get what you're entitled to and deserve and entitlements the wrong word but what is deserving for you and Mm -hmm. that's why i just ensure that the clients we represent we are fighting for them and saving them every single penny we can with the venues Mm -hmm. that they choose
0: I love it. God, well, obviously we could talk forever. We know we can. We 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 go back that far, and we'll have all of your contact information on the show notes. But in case somebody wants to look you up right now, I always do my little type 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 thing. How? What's the best way for them to find you?
1: Um, I'm on LinkedIn, James Daniels, the Meeting Designers, and the, the easiest way is just to type in my email address, j.daniels@meetingdesigners.com. I'm, we have a Facebook page, The Meeting Designers, and we're about to have a brand new Instagram page. We're finishing a kind of a rebranding project that we took on with our company um, to take advantage of this downtime with the pandemic.
0: Which is really good. Ah, James, well, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers?
1: You know, I, you're such a expert on customer service and in the meetings industry that's what we try to deliver is customer service and someone the other day asked me well if you're so great at customer service define bad customer service and i was startled because i didn't have a definition of bad customer service and then i kind of thought of that supreme court justice potter stewart who said you know, well, it's like pornography. I don't really, can't really define it, but I know it when I see it. So that's what I said. I said, I can't define it, but I know it when I experience it. I know so- when I experience bad customer service. So taking it, that into effect, if you're in a business or you want to start a business or make your existing business better. Just remember customer service is something you can't define. You can't check all the boxes because if you do, it becomes formulaic. But if you just have customer service from your heart, it will never be defined as bad customer service.
0: Ah, amen. I love it, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us today. It has been such a pleasure.
1: Michael, Thank you for having me. This has been just wonderful.
0: Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.